Glory to God. I'm so excited for you just as we drive around. You know, Pastor Mark shows me the different places that are uh, uh, how everything's going to be. And man, I, I see it. I see that stadium uh, coliseum or whatever, you know, whatever, uh, whatever it's going to be. It's going to be cool. I believe that maybe right here before the coming of the Lord, there'll be so much going on that you could have a conveyor belt in the front. And you just, uh, people come in through the side door and they go on that conveyor and you got people laying hands on them, they get saved, filled. The conveyor takes them over there, takes them around over there. Then they go to a new member's class and it comes back around again, get a new dose or something. Uh, nothing would surprise me because uh, the Lord's coming so soon. And uh, look, you're in a church where you're hearing the word. You're finding out who you are in Christ. And with that, you know, we, we're blessed because we know we're redeemed. But then there also comes a commission with that to, to do something for him. And look at uh, how that you feel that in this church. It's not like, well, I'm just saved. I'm going to miss hell. No, there's stuff for us to do. And you feel that uh, commission on everybody. Praise God. Hallelujah. So thanks for coming. Sunday morning, we got into uh, the coming of the Lord, the second coming, some of the signs of the second coming and how uh, clear they are and how close we are to coming uh, to seeing him face to face. So I want to pick up where we left off and go a little further. I sure enjoyed being in the Bible school uh, this morning and yesterday. If you're thinking about going to Life Bible College, you don't have to think about it. Just do it. Praise the Lord. I mean, uh, you, you can't go wrong. Hallelujah. Uh, so even if the Lord didn't specifically say, thus saith me, go to Bible college. If, if you even have an ounce of a witness to do it, you need to do it because it'll change your life forever. You, you, you can't hear the word that much and stay the same. It, it, will, it will alter you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Do I need to move my mic or move my head or move my neck or something? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, thank you for coming. Let's pray and we'll get right into the word uh, and he'll change us. He'll alter us. He'll give us fuel to accelerate as we see the finish line. So, Lord, we, we're amazed that we get to gather in our country. We pray for our land. We thank you for blessing the United States of America. And we pray for Idaho. We pray for, for Boise right here. And, Lord, we thank you for Life Church, the, the commission you've given this church to get the gospel out in the last days. We thank you for great strength in this church, Lord, and divine amplifying of your voice in this hour, Lord. Supernatural favor with the city, favor with the state, Lord. We thank you for it. And we thank you for, for everyone that came tonight, Lord. We thank you for a, 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 not a pushing, but an acceleration into the perfect will of God even more. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you. We'll finish our course with joy. So, Lord, we're grateful that you died for us and death could not hold you down. So we, we magnify the resurrection. As a, as a body tonight here in Boise, we, we magnify that death could not hold you down. So we thank you for what you have for us right here before we leave the planet. And, and we want to function with you in all these days, Lord, lifting you up, giving you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said amen. amen. Why don't you go back to where we were there in Luke 21, and we'll do about three, three minutes, if I can, of a review from Sunday. Just a little bit about what Jesus focused on to show us how close we were. Because, you know, when you have word on something, it, it just makes it easy. Because we, we see all of the signs of the second coming. The rapture is signless. But you have sign after sign after sign of the second coming. So the rapture is going to be about seven years before the second coming. If you can see all the signs of the second coming, that means we're really close to the rapture. I can't give you the exact day. I can't give you the exact moment. But Jesus was pretty bold about showing us how we could tell. And it got kind of perverted over the years to where there came a, a fear that came with the preaching on the coming of the Lord. I said it Sunday morning, someone will walk up to me uh, after a conference and go, you know, I've been lied to my entire life that it was bad news. And there is no bad news for the church. 
If you hear preaching on the coming of the Lord and it scares you, it's not Bible. In other words, something's being pulled out of uh, where it's supposed to be in order. Because if you take things that, are, that belong to the Jews and try to put it on the church, uh, you don't qualify because Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead. So we look at the epistles and find out who we are. You're complete in Him. <laughs> he quickened you. He raised you. He seated you in heavenly places. So we're, we're, we're just blessed. So when it comes to the end times, uh, there's no bad news. We, we're going to be caught up. We're going to be raptured. And it's not a, an escape theology like, oh, I can't wait to not go through the tribulation. It's we're not supposed to be here. It's not for us. The Bible calls it a time of Jacob's trouble, not the church's trouble. So great things ahead. Scary for the world. Wonderful things for the church. I believe there'll be a sweeping time of more souls coming in and just a joyous time. That, that, that season of worship you have while ago, I think that's going to get stronger and stronger and stronger where you just almost have to open the doors and walk out in the parking lot and, and uh, everyone sings like that. Hallelujah. So good night, everybody. Drive safely. Glad you came. <laughs> Go to Luke 21 and we'll start here. Luke 21, verse 24. Watch Jesus make it easy to understand. They'll fall by the edge of the sword and they'll be led away captive unto all nations. Jerusalem will be trodden down to the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So we know that the nations have a certain amount of time. And when Jesus said Israel gets Jerusalem back, time's pretty much up. Now that happened in 1967. So in our lifetime, what God said was a marker has already happened. It's called the Six-Day War. So go down to verse 29. He says, look at the fig tree. That's the nation of Israel and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is nigh at hand. And likewise, when you see these things, what things? Israel regathered as a nation, Jerusalem won back. When you see these things, I like it. He says, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand or close. And then he says in verse 32, Verily I say unto you, this generation will not pass away till all is fulfilled. What generation? The one that sees those two events that happened in 1948, 1967. So however you do the math, we're there. And it's, it's getting really, really close to the end of there. However you do the math. Used to, there was a, a little bit of wiggle room there with you know, 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 years. There ain't no wiggle room now. We're, we're at the end of the end of the end of the end to where time is at the point where we're going to be leaving the planet. When you see the players for the Ezekiel 38 war, which is Russia... Turkey, Iran, and Syria, you see them come to the forefront right now and you see what they're doing. Uh, that shows you how close you are to the rapture because that, that invasion of Russia happens just after the rapture. And, and you see Russia go into the Ukraine, Russia going to Crimea. And last week, Russia, uh, Germany found all this paperwork indicating that, Germ that Russia is going to invade Germany next year. I mean, detailed, uh, uh, detailed assignments for all these uh, Russians. And then NATO last week said, OK, we're going to up 90,000 troops to counter that. Well, uh, the, it's almost like Hitler. They have kind of a crazy thought pattern. You know, Hitler was so crazy, he thought I'd take over the world, but he never really told anybody that. Putin's like, I'm going to take over the world, and I'm going to tell you I'm going to. I mean, it's just like, it's just like Iran. We're going to annihilate Israel, we're going to annihilate America. You know, Israel's Satan, we're the great Satan. So they don't even try to hide it. They say, this is what we're going to do. But you know what? They think bringing a war there and trying to annihilate Israel will bring their Messiah on the scene. So they're just bent on doing this. And really what their Messiah is, is technically the Antichrist. And what's going to happen is uh, the Antichrist is going to come on the scene and he's going to say that Jesus was not the Son of God. And it's just weird how he's going to try to attack all the Jews and all the Christians. And you heard it this last week. You heard it two weeks ago, about three weeks ago. 
This is pretty interesting. They're going after the Saturday people. That's the Jews. They're getting ready to come after the Sunday people, and that's the Christians. So thank God we don't have anything to fear. We're going to depart. And it's not because I fear some kind of war or something. I'm just not supposed to be here. Praise the Lord. I'm actually supposed to be at the reward seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb. So if that's what the, where the Lord wants me to be, that's where I'm going to be, and I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he says here in the next verse, in verse 34, Take heed to yourselves, lest at any times your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life, so that day comes upon you unawares. So you can be living when the two biggest signs happen, and you can still get so busy that you're not even aware of it. Really, in the Message Bible, it says, don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by shopping. And you know, in our culture, basically, shopping's the deal. We're caught up on consumerism, and you can get so busy buying stuff that you don't even realize that God's about to come back to the planet. But we realize that, don't we? Praise the Lord. That's why we're here. Come on. Hallelujah. So he just, he just admonishes us here to make sure that you don't get caught up in the cares of life, because he doesn't want you downtrodden. If you'll notice, everything Jesus talks about when He talks about His return, He wants you to lift up your head so you're not sad. Everything about it is how much He loves you. He doesn't want you freaked out, doesn't want you sad, doesn't want you going, oh my God, what are we going to do? No, this is what we'll do. Greater is He that's in me than He that's in the world. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even my faith. So you're a victor coming into the very end of the race. You, come, you don't come to the end of the race all bowed over and downtrodden. You come to the end of the race carrying the glory of God and being a carrier of the power that raised Jesus from the dead. So there is no downtroddenness, no, no, no whining, no complaining. It's like, no, God's coming to the planet. There's some protocol for that, and you're going to be a voice right here before He comes. Hallelujah. It's amazing in the Old Testament, God raised up prophets to pull Israel back to what they were called to do. In the New Testament, He raises up believers to pull people back to what they're called to do. So He wants you to be a voice. That's why the Bible says we could prophesy. Inspired utterance in a known tongue. What will He inspire? He will inspire the Word of God to come out of your mouth. Hallelujah. What's one thing that should be coming out of our mouths right now? He's coming. He's coming back. Hallelujah. He's coming back to the earth. Make way for the entrance of the king. Come on. There was some protocol at the first coming with John the Baptist, and there's some protocol here before the second coming. He got Israel brought back to their land. He's going to court Israel. <laughs> and then the church is going to depart, and he's going to court her even more. You know, Colleen and I were dating. She was living in California. She was from uh, Glendora, and I was living in Tulsa. And we were dating by text. And you can't convey any kind of emotion by text. You know, man, your, your hair looks so good. Your eyes look so dumb. So I moved Colleen from California back to Tulsa so we could date. And we dated and got married. So God's moved Israel back to the land so He can court her. And we're going to depart. And Russia's going to come down on Israel and God's going to intervene. Hallelujah. Great days ahead. The King's coming back. Hallelujah. Amen. So, so we look at this and we, we take heed to what He says. He is just about to come back. Glory to God. All right, let's pick up with where we, where we can go in for, even further. You, you look at all of these, but you've got the Hebrew language restored, Ethiopian Jews brought back, fertility to the land of Israel. You've got foxes show up on the Temple Mount, ritual baths around the Temple Mount fill up with water. You had the Dead Sea get filled up with fish. There's never been fish in the Dead Sea. There is now because Ezekiel prophesied that. You had last year the Dead Sea turned blood red where Sodom and Gomorrah was on the Day of Atonement. So God's just doing some radical signs to get our attention. The signs are not to scare us. They're to capture our heart to go, the Lord is about to come back. 
So we have all of this happening. There's many more. There's about 80. In the book out there, I, I think there were 79 or 80. And, uh, and I thought, man, let's go through this and get them in there. And the publisher of the book started going through it. And they said, we fact-checked you, and these are actually coming to pass, or actually did come to pass. I said, do you think I'm smart enough to make this stuff up? Come on, this is real. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely the real deal. All of this stuff is happening and we're alive to see it. We're going to look back on this season when we get to heaven and go, wow, we were on the earth right before God came back to the planet. So we're so blessed, so blessed. You should, you should talk to your, your kids, talk to your neighbors, wake your dog, whatever you need to do. <laughs> the Lord's about to come back. Hallelujah. Amen. So you could go a long time on that. You had blood red moons. You had the Bethlehem star. This year you have in April, you have uh, that eclipse that comes across the earth. It makes an X right there where little Egypt is in Illinois. And seven years ago, there was one that went that way. Seven years later, the one that goes this way, it's right where the biggest fault line is in America. So, so heaven, the heavens are showing forth the glory of God and indicating to us that something's coming. Different things about asteroids, different things about solar flares. Don't be afraid about it. That's all right. Uh, the Bible says all these things will be happening. Hallelujah. I mean, the Bible talks about wormwood will be coming by. And uh, NASA says it's coming by in 2029. So it's going to do a flyby. It is kind of weird right now that uh, the day after they fly by, NASA goes, we saw it, but we missed it ahead of time. So it's an oops moment. So it's coming by and they don't even have time to talk about it. They had to open up a new group at NASA because so many asteroids are coming toward the earth. But we don't have to worry. We're not going to be here. But the Bible says some are going to hit during the tribulation. So you're watching nature Get ready for the entrance of the king. Hallelujah. So let's go look at the next thing on God's calendar for us so that we can go forward. And let's go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And let's get into the next event for our lives. We know that soon we're going to see him. And let's look at this so we can get Bible on this. Because you, you can't be bold unless you've got Bible. You've got to have scripture and verse. So when you're, when you're dealing with people about end times, I always say, well, give me some scripture and verse for all that. Because it's amazing when it comes to healing, we want to use scripture and verse. When it comes to righteousness, we want to use scripture and verse. When it comes to prosperity, we want to use scripture and verse. When it comes to end times, people will take Aunt Myrtle's word for it that was born in 1550 and she had a weird dream that this is how it was. And they'll go, that's gospel. I mean, there's people that say there's no rapture all because that one lady in the 1800s had a vision. And it's like, well, you know what? There's been raptures way before she was alive and, and, and there'll be raptures after she's alive. So how could one person dictate what the preaching on the rapture could be? I mean, I hear that every time I was interviewed on a TV show this last year. Well, you know, Aunt Myrtle in 1887 had a dream that the rapture wasn't real. I'm like, so Aunt Myrtle's the say-so now? I don't think so. So let's always go back to the Word. There's safety in the Word. Amen? Amen. So go there to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we'll, we'll look at what's coming next. Now, I like Thessalonians because it's the very first letter written to the church. What was the theme of this letter written to the church? The coming of the Lord. Why? They all thought they were in the tribulation because Nero was taking Christians and dunking them in oil and setting them up on poles to be nightlights. So they said, the guy was so evil, they said, well, we have to be in the trib. And Paul's like, no, you're not in the trib because the Antichrist can't even be revealed until the church departs. You have so much authority, he can't come on the scene until you depart. The Bible says, what, is, what, what concord has Christ with Belial? The Bible calls you Christ. It's amazing. You, I don't think we realize how much power you walk in. That you're subduing the Antichrist from even being revealed because you're here. Yeah. Woo, hallelujah. You ought, to, you ought to talk to things in your life like you believe that. Oh, I think I'll do Elvis on that one. Come on, that was good right there. <laughs> 
All right, so let's go to chapter 4 and let's look at the next one here, verse 13. We're going to talk about the rapture of the church. The next event on God's calendar for our life, the rapture, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall ascend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Well, look at verse 18. Wherefore, or because of this, comfort one another with these words. So the teaching on the rapture was, was not scare us. It was to bring us comfort. So there's comfort in knowing that I'm going to be evacuated. I mean, remember uh, last year, uh, Israel was going to pull their ambassadors out of Turkey because they thought a war was breaking out there. So the first people to be evacuated are the ambassadors. And we're going to be caught up. We're going to be evacuated. I know it sounds crazy, but you know what? Enoch was caught up. He was raptured. Handed off to Noah. Noah rode the flood. Elijah, caught up, raptured. Handed off to Elisha. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus, caught up, raptured. Handed off to the church. The church will be caught up, raptured. Hand off to the Jews. And God will raise up 144,000 Jewish evangelists. So there's something about, it's okay that the Lord's going to do that. It's not weird, not strange. Uh, Enoch, the, 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 the climate got so bad before, while Enoch was there, the Lord said, okay, I'm getting you out of here. And one good thing you can look at to see what the rapture is all about is Lot. The angels went down there to, to, to Sodom and Gomorrah and told Lot, hey, we've got to get you out of here because judgment's coming. And, and so here you go. Uh, the angel said, we can't do anything here till we get you out. So the righteous were taken out before the judgment came. So the Lord's going to take us off the earth. And it's not about fear of what's going to happen on the earth. I can be here during the tribulation. I don't have zero fear about that. Why? I have dominion. Remember when, they, when G, they tried to kill Jesus and they couldn't kill him? That's exactly what you have. You have dominion. Yeah, so during, if you were happen to be here during the trip, you say, shoot your best shot. It can't hurt me because <laughs> he's given his angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. That's not weird or bold. That's Bible. Yeah, and nowadays people go, ah, that's, just, that's just too bold. That's not bold. That's normal Christianity. Yeah. We just got so used to a weak message that when we hear a normal message, we think it's too extreme. It's not extreme. It's normal Bible. Come on. See, that you keep the Antichrist from even coming on the scene by you just being here. Wow. So how cool is this? We're going to be caught up. Man, brand new body. Never get tired again. Never gain weight again. I mean, there is nothing cooler than that. Praise the Lord. Won't that be amazing to all of a sudden be right at the throne of God? The Bible says that we'll be there at the throne. We'll see the, the rainbow around the throne. We'll be, there'll be a sea of glass, clear as crystal. Crystal's the only element that you can't hide a flaw. We'll be flawless before the throne of God. And the water will be still. No more storms. Even though we have authority over storms and we're not moved by them, it'll be really nice to be there without any storms coming against us. Hallelujah. And we'll see him as he is. We'll see him high and lifted up. We'll see his train filling the temple. And, and, and you'll, you'll go, this is why we worshiped him. This is why we honored him. Come on. Hallelujah. It's going to be so cool. So wonderful things ahead. 
you know, I, I'm so mad that uh, there's been such a thought pattern come into the church that after we're raptured, we just go to heaven and we play harps for a thousand years and all that. No, no, no. We're going to go to heaven, go to the reward seat of Christ, marriage supper of the Lamb, and then we're going to come right back and reign with Him. You're tasting of the powers of the world to come. The rapture is not an ending. It's a beginning. I hear people go, well, I, I don't want the Lord to come back because I, uh, you know, I just got so much in my heart. Well, of course you do. You're going to live forever. I remember a meeting I was in. Man, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this story, but hang with me. I was in a meeting in Newtown, Connecticut, Barry Frederick's Church from Long Island, Newtown, Connecticut. And one of those, it was one of those giving services. You ever been in one of those giving services? I didn't know what to do on Wednesday night. One night, I was there Sunday through Wednesday, and I just couldn't find out anything to do. So the Lord said, play, pin the suit on the pastor. So that's where you bring the pastor down and put a $100 bill on him, $50 bill, $20 bill, you buy him a new suit. So fun, old Pentecostal, it was really cool. As we were doing that... The youth pastor came down, and I was standing there with him, and the youth pa pastor came up to me and goes, hey, I've got a, a check for your daughter, for my daughter, uh, for one of her missions trips. Back then, she was doing all these missions trips. I thought, well, that's really cool. Lauren's not even here, and she's getting blessed. Right then, a man up in the back of the church, he told that guy uh, that gave, uh, the youth pastor that gave my daughter a check, he goes, hey, I've got a brand new Toyota Camry for you. Well, all of a sudden, people started giving stuff away. The reaper was overtaking the sower, and it was so cool. I thought, well, I want to get involved. So I thought, I'll, I had a brand new Fender Stratocaster, and I saw a young man way in the back. I said, hey, buddy, way back there. I said, I'm going to give you my Fender Strat. He started screaming. He had told his mom earlier that week, I want a Fender Strat. She said, you better believe God for it. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's freaking out. He gets a Fender Strat. Well, you know, I came back to Tulsa and I went to the guitar store just to get me another guitar because I'd given my, my Strat away. I wanted to find something to take its place for a while. And the Lord said, I was walking into the guitar store. He said, why don't you learn how to play every instrument? You're going to live forever. Mm -hmm. That messed with me. I was like, wow, I don't think like that. <laughs> so we're, we're not done at the rapture. We're not done at the rapture. Hallelujah. I mean, okay, so what, what's the purpose of the rapture? We need a new body. The Bible says, as we've borne the image of the earthy, we're going to bear the image of the heavenly. The stain of Adam needs to be taken off of us. Come on. So we're going to get us this brand new body where we can walk in and talk to the Lord. I mean, you think about it. Uh, the cherubim and seraphim, they were equipped to be around the throne, yet they still had to shield themselves from His glory. They had two wings they covered their feet with, two wings they fly with, two wings they cover their face. And they're created to be at the throne and still can't handle the radiance of God. So we're going to get us this body where we can walk right in and talk to dad and not walk around fumbling around not being able to see anything. Wouldn't that be weird? What happened? I went and saw dad. I can't see for six months. That's weird. <laughs> so, so we need us a, a new body. I, I love how you can go to the Word and find out what the new body is going to be like too. You remember, uh, you, you've heard it many times, but remember on the road to Emmaus, Jesus is walking with the two disciples and they didn't know who he was. How cool is that? that he liked to do that, that their, their eyes were beholden to who he was. That's just the neatest thing ever. Praise the Lord. So they're walking along and, and they're kind of bummed out. And Jesus said to him, why are you guys so sad? So the first thing even about the resurrection was that you don't need to be sad. So he, they said, well, if you lived around here, they crucified our Lord. And the Bible says he would have kept right on walking. They constrained him to stay for dinner. And as he sat down for dinner, he took them through the Old Testament and showed them Christ. He showed them Jesus all throughout the Old Covenant, physically in their presence. He wanted them to get it through the Word. Listen, there's something about receiving by faith. During the millennium, people are going to walk up to you and go, well, wait a minute. So you asked Jesus into your heart and you couldn't see Him? You did it by some guy yelling at you? The foolishness of preaching? 
It's going to freak that whole time. That's going to freak them out. They'll go, well, there's Jesus right there. And they'll go, wait, wait. You ask him into your heart because some guy got up and yelled. I mean, that's crazy. So <laughs> it's going to be amazing what's going to happen here, how we'll step over into this life. So Jesus takes them through the Old Testament, shows them him in the word. And then he broke a little bread and disappeared. And man, they said, that's him. Hello. <laughs> so him being translated convinced them. And he went back to the disciples, went back and told them, we saw him, we ate with him, we broke bread with him, and then he disappeared. And they said, no, you didn't. No, no, no. We, he took us through the word. He, we saw him. He, he ate with us, and then he disappeared. Thomas said, well, I don't believe that. He said, I won't believe it until I see the hole in his side, see the hole in his hands. I will not believe. Jesus walks right through the wall. <laughs> don't you love it? The Lord's so cool. He, 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 uh, you know, he goes, Thomas, reach hither your hand. Thrust it into my side. Be not faithless with believing. He said, my Lord and my God. I guess so. But what the cool thing about it is, he walks through the wall and, and they go, well, he's a spirit. He goes, no, no, handle me. A spirit hath not flesh and bone. He says, see, I have. So God's trying to show you what your body's going to be like. You're, you're going to be normal. You'll have an appetite, but you can still walk through walls. You can still be handled. And he still had an appetite. The first thing he said, you know, he didn't say, where's the salad? He didn't say, where's the kale? He said, where's the beef? <laughs> so come on. I mean, that's pretty neat that Jesus goes, do you have any meat? I, I, I mean, there's a poster in Tulsa, Oklahoma, big billboard that Jesus was a vegetarian. I said, Jesus wasn't a vegetarian. He ate steak in Genesis 18. And the first thing he asked for was meat. So he's trying to get across to us in our glorified body. You'll still recognize each other because people come up to me and go, well, I recognize my wife when I get to heaven. Of course you will. And will you recognize your husband? Of course you will. The rapture is not going to turn us into robots. <laughs> what you like here, you'll carry over into the next dispensation. If you like the guitar, you'll play the guitar better. If you like to sing, you'll sing better. You, everything is enhanced, not diminished. There is nothing weird about him. That's what's amazing is that he's been portrayed as the weirdo. He's not the weirdo. He's the normalest thing there ever was or ever will be. Oh, glory to God. Amen. So this is coming. This is coming, being caught up, be, being caught away. I, I, I like it that I told the Lord, I, I believe your flux capacitor is all charged up because it, it's kind of amazing that he's able to subdue even all things unto himself. Look how powerful he is when he says, come up hither, come up to the throne of God. Every single one of our bodies is going to be recreated. Whoo, hallelujah. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the dead in Christ will rise first. Come on, and we shall be changed. In the past, it had a weird connotation to it, but we're, what it just means, we're going home. Mm, glory to God. Hallelujah. Wow. Man, oh man, oh man. All right. You can't get your rapture doctrine from the Gospels. You get it all from the epistles. Because in the Gospels, he's talking about the second coming. But there is one a little reference to it, which is really cool. But let's go back for a minute and go to the quali qualifications. Let's find out, how can I know for sure that I'm going up in the rapture? Go to verse 14. Let's look at it. Verse 14, this is how we can know. If you believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. Well, there you go. The prerequisite to go up in the rapture is to be born again. I mean, I hear people going all the time, you need to have this in line, have that in line. You have to be looking for His appearance and all that. See, that's all flesh. That's all you doing something in the flesh to get you ready. You can't do something in the flesh to make you holy. His blood makes you holy. 
Now, no, we feel better. You mean you feel better about yourself. You might try to do something. But you know what's going to make you ready for the rapture? The blood of Jesus. He takes away boasting. Because we would do that. You know, if we, as soon as we, if, if it was something like that, we'd be walking around heaven like that, like I was talking about the other day. Oh, yeah, I made it. I'm here. Praise the Lord. I knew I was going to make it. No, there'll be, the, you'll know you're going to make it because he died for you. I had a lady, I've told you the story before. I had a lady in Galveston years ago. She came up to me. She goes, how dare you say all the believers are going up in the rapture? I said, well, uh, I'm kind of quoting the word and tried to take her through the word a little bit. And the Holy Spirit loves to magnify Jesus. The Holy Spirit said to me, ask her whose works would she rather trust in, her works or Jesus' works? See, I'm trusting in what he did, not trusting in what I can do. Amen. So that's why you'll go up, you're born again. He's coming back for a certain species. And if you're in that body, you're going up. I don't care if you're the hangnail. I don't care if you're the knee. It doesn't matter what part you are. You're in his body. And we made the rapture about us. It's about the Lord coming back for his body. We want to make it about, am I holy enough or whatever? You're in his body. So he's coming back to get you. Hallelujah. It's going to be an amazing thing when all of a sudden we're right there at the throne of God, looking at the King of Kings, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Wow. I, I just wonder if we're ready. I believe right before we're raptured, there'll be a readiness come into us where we, we know what it's going to be like. And go down to chapter 5 there where you are in Thessalonians, then we'll go back to the Gospels for a minute. Look at chapter 5 and watch Jesus get real clear here, the Lord get real clear, that we can tell how close we are. Verse 1 of chapter 5, But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Now watch this. Watch him separate the world and their fear and the church with no fear. Here we go. Verse 3. When they, the world, shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, the world. As travail upon a woman with child, they, the world, shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of the light. You are the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So he separates the difference between you and the world right there. He said, you, it, won't over, it won't overtake you as a surprise. You're going to know how close it is. So with that, let's go with this thought pattern to John 14, where Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. The amazing thing about John 14, he said, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. It's a perfect picture of the rapture. Because in the Old Testament, when a man and woman, a Jewish family, a man would ask a woman to marry him, they would be betrothed. We call it being engaged. They would be betrothed. And the father would have the son come back to his house and the father would oversee the building of a honeymoon suite. And the father would tell the son when the, when the honeymoon suite's ready. And the son would come back with a shout. His bride-to-be would be making herself ready. But I interviewed lady after lady after lady in Israel. I said, okay, okay, I want to know. How would you know how close it was for the room being done and him coming down to get you? Every single woman would laugh at me and go, well, of course we would know within a day or two. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. you would know within a day or two? They go, absolutely. I said, now why? She said, because we wouldn't want to spend $500 on perfume and then it was six more months. And we would know because word would come to us that the room is done. Word come to us right now that the, that the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So words come to us that the room is done. But there's even one thing even crazier than that. 
When the Lord said, oh, get ready. You ready? You ready? You ready for a little bit of info? It's a lot of info. Well, hang with me. I know you know it already, but it's good. When Jesus said of that day and that hour, no man knows, he was telling them, I'm coming back for you on Feast of Trumpets. That was another way of saying Feast of Trumpets. Now, why is that a big deal? <laughs> the one thing that people say that you can't know when the Lord's coming back was to show us exactly when he's coming back. What, would, what was the Feast of Trumpets? That it would happen on the 29.5th day of the month. So you didn't know if it was going to be on the 29th or the 30th. So the Sanhedrin, the new moon, the Sanhedrin was in two witnesses out to see the new moon. That's why you didn't know which day it was. So I believe, and I'm, not, I'm just guessing here, I believe he did it like that so that you'll know within a day or two when the rapture is going to happen. Why? You'll be coming to church and you'll be worshiping like a wild person, like glory to God. It's either today or tomorrow. And, and that's a pretty cool thing to know within a day or two. Every woman told me, well, of course I'd know within a day or two. And that's exactly what the Feast of Trumpets is. I don't know about you, but I know when it is every single year. It's usually in September. I know when it starts in Israel. And, I, and I'm giving the Lord a wave offering the whole time. <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> I might put up some kind of antenna or something just to, just to make sure, cover my bases. No, I'm excited. He wants you excited. He wants you expectant. He wants you filled with joy. Because the king's coming back. Hallelujah. So here, that's, that's the rapture of the church. The father would tell the son, your room's ready. The, the, the son would come back with a shout. She would come out to meet him. That's what's going to happen. Uh, with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. You talk about a reunion. You're getting ready to go have the best reunion you've ever had in your life. Amen. Glory to God. Do you talk about cool, seeing your loved ones? And we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Glory to God. But, you know, there's something I want to uh, just go through for a couple minutes before we go to Daniel. This is probably the most important thing we could get into about the rapture of the church. One of the things is six times in the epistles when the Lord talks about the rapture, there's a word that he puts in connection with it, and that is steadfastness. There's something about, even in James, be stabilized. Uh, stabilize your heart for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. There's something about He just wants you in position and not out of position. Not that you would lose your salvation. Not that you'd be weak. But He just wants you in place doing what you're called to do. With that, don't be moved by anything. Don't be shaken by anything. Don't let anything bother you. Come on, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work. Hallelujah. That goes over real good, doesn't it? Start the car, Pastor. I'll be right there. Come on. So what did he say we should be abounding in? The work of the Lord. For as much as we know that our labor is not in vain. Your work, hang with me, your work will be tied to knowing it's not in vain. So with that, what's going to happen to you and I right after we're raptured? You're going to go to the reward seat of Christ. It's preached with the wrong connotation. You're going to the judgment seat of Christ. That's a mistranslation. That word is not there. It's the word, the Greek word, bema, B-E-M-A. It means reward seat. Just like in the Olympics when you got somebody that you saw today where the Olympic uh, ice skaters, I guess it was, got their gold medal. You go up on that podium. I've never seen somebody go, oh, I don't want to get my gold. No. The, the, when when you've, you've competed, you either get a gold, silver, or bronze. You go stand there and your nation is represented. The, the flag comes down and they play your national anthem. And there's a, a reward for the labor that you put forth to get that medal. So what's going to happen is we'll be caught up. We'll go to the reward seat of Christ. Fire will hit your life. Okay? He's not going to judge your sin. Sin was laid on Jesus. He's going to analyze your works, whether they're wood, hay, <laughs> whether they're wood, hay, and stubble, or gold, silver, and precious stones. So you don't want your works to get burned up. 
You want to have so many good works that they're gold, silver, and precious stone. You don't want a bonfire. You don't want the angels to go, you might want to back up. This is not going to be good. I mean, wouldn't that be horrible? Oh, my God, who was that? Uh, you know, well, <laughs> and during the millennium, ha, ha, I saw that. You're still smoking a little bit, you know? So, so what's wood, hay, and stubble? Those are all things that are above the ground. It's probably what people see you do. You probably won't get a reward for it. It's the hidden things of the heart. Gold, silver, and precious stones. What's gold? That's your devotional life. How much you tell the Lord you love Him? Not necessarily my name is Jimmy. I'll take all you give me, but Lord, I love you. What is silver? The Bible says the tongue of the, the, tongue of the just is choice silver. Your words either encourage or discourage. Make sure your words lift people up. Then you have the precious stones. The priest had those stones on his chest. He would bear uh, for the people. He would go into the presence of God and pray for them. So the Lord wants to reward you so that you wear your faithfulness. During the millennium, I talked about it this morning, you'll, you'll be clothed indicative to how faithful you were during the church age. You'll have a, a, your robe will have a stitch right here showing that you came on Wednesday nights. It'll be so cool. You'll, you'll have another stitch right there showing that you were bold for God, maybe. There's another, another stitch right there that maybe you were more of a servant. There'll be a, more, a stitch right here showing what your vocation was. So people will see you and go, wow, they did the will of God. Just like right now, you adorn yourself with gold and silver and precious stones. You can look at a guy in the military. It's from, it's from the book of Daniel. It's the word uh, 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 nobility. When a, when a, so, a soldier, like we used to have it in the Navy, uh, they would wear dress whites at night khakis during the daytime, that you dress according to what you are. So you see a general in the military, he's got four stars right there. He doesn't walk up to you and go, check the stars out. You ever seen that? I'm a general. No, that would be weird. And even then they got, they got fruit over their heart right here. They don't have to open their mouth. You look at them walk on the plane and go, wow, check those, check out the fruit, check out those stars. He doesn't have to tell you anything. You know he was faithful. People are going to look at your robe and go, wow, you, you gave your life for the Lord. You did what you were called to do. It is this way so you don't run around the millennium in a Speedo bathing suit. I'm telling you, my dad, my, we're going to be borrowing clothes from my dad. He, he mocked God his whole life, cursed God his whole life, had a stroke, got saved right there, and then went home to be with the Lord and didn't get to do one thing. I'm going to tell dad, you ain't leaving the house until we borrow some robes for you. Come on. But at least he made it. Thank God for the mercy of God. At least he made it. At least he made it to heaven. So grab your Bibles there and let's go back to Daniel for just a minute because I want to give you just a couple minutes real quick and, and then we'll dismiss. A couple minutes and we'll, we'll go. Look at Daniel 9. This, this won't take but a minute, but it's really, really, really cool verses. It's actually, I think, one of the coolest verses in the whole Bible. So we'll go through it for just a couple of minutes and we'll dismiss. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. You, you've heard it before, but it shows you that you can't be here during the tribulation. Daniel 9, verse 1. So we're going to have to think for a minute, so run with me. Daniel 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, which was the son over whatever that is, which is the seed of the Medes, it, no way possible to pronounce it, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years where the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Well, that sounds like blah, 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 blah. It really means something. He goes, I set my face in the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So what happened was Israel got put into captivity for 70 years. All right. Daniel's smart enough to go back to the word, find out why they were supposed to let the land rest on the sixth year. They weren't supposed to plant that they'd be on the seventh year. They'd be so blessed at the end of the sixth, it would carry them over into the seventh. 
And guess how long they disobeyed and planned it on that seventh year? Guess how long? 490 years. So God let them go into captivity to pay the land back. They owed the land 70 years. Pretty amazing. Remember Peter said, how many times do I forgive somebody? 70 times 7. Remember that? So get that number in your brain, 490. Now go over to verse 23, and I'll tell you when we get to the coolest verse in the Bible. We're almost there. Here we go. Daniel 9, verse 23. This is Gabriel talking to Daniel. So at the beginning of thy supplication, the commandment came forth. I'm come to show you your greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. He goes, okay, here we go. Seventy weeks or 70 segments of seven, or it's another way of saying 490 years. You missed it for 490. God's so kind, He's giving you another 490. Here we go. It's determined upon thy people, the Jews, and upon the holy city, Jerusalem, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, bring in everlasting righteousness, seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Here we go. Get ready. This is the cool part. Get ready. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem till the Messiah comes is going to be a certain amount of years. I'm going to add it up for you so you don't have to. So here, here we go. So, okay, Gabriel goes, all right, there's going to be a commandment to restore and build Jerusalem. And when that, when that comes out, we shall rebuild Jerusalem. Because remember Nehemiah, he was bummed out because Jerusalem was overthrown. And King Artaxerxes goes, why are you sad? He goes, Jerusalem's overthrown. He goes, don't worry, I'm going to make a proclamation. Gabriel says, from that proclamation until Jesus comes, it's going to be 483 years. Well, God gave them 490. Jesus came after 483. You remember when Jesus came riding into Jerusalem? Before that, they said, are you the Messiah? He goes, go tell them what you see and what you hear. Even John, John's about to get his head cut off, and the disciples, John sent him to ask Jesus, hey, tell us, is he really the one? Because he started doubting. He goes, I'm about to lose my head. Jesus said, go tell them what you see and what you hear. Well, Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on that donkey, and they took the palm branches and they laid them down. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They said, oh, don't let them do that. You're admitting you're the Messiah. He said, if they didn't do it, the rocks would cry out. Why? It was 483 years from when that commandment came forth. All right? They were given 490. Jesus came after 483. He owes them seven years of old covenant time. That's the seven-year tribulation. See, it's flawless. It's not for you. We depart, and He pays them those seven years back, and you're watching the whole earth get ready for that seven-year period right now. There were rabbis two weeks ago that said, this is what they said. This is in the Jerusalem Post. They said, it seems like everything's looking like the last seven years from the book of Daniel where the Messiah is about to come. Uh, Duh, that's exactly right. (laughs) So aren't we privileged? Aren't we privileged that, 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 that there's a move going on in Israel to get Jews in position? There's a move going on in the church to finish what we're called to do, to finish in a book of Acts style. That's why you're in a radical, wild, word of faith church that, that believes the book. Glory to God. So soon and very soon, soon and very soon, we're going to see the King. I know the meetings I was in as a kid, that's all we sang. We sang songs about the rapture, songs about the coming of the Lord. Let's do that in the days to come as we are, are filling ourselves at our own houses. Let's sing about seeing the King. Let's sing about very soon we're, we're going to be on the sides of the north, the city of the great King. Come on. Great is the Lord. Greatly to be praised. 
Hallelujah. The city of our God, the mountain of His holiness, beautiful for situation, joy of the whole earth. His Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great King. Wow, glory to God. I'm so excited for your church. I'm so excited about what's coming. It's nothing but wonderful things to expect. Watch the Lord give you new assignments. Watch Him giving you more to do. And we're going we're to finish the, the book of Acts in a blaze of glory. Hallelujah. I sure appreciate you coming. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this event coming so soon that we'll be caught up to be with you in the air. Thanks for joining us for the message today. I trust it has been a blessing and a help to your life. You know, the most important thing we could ever do is to receive salvation, to receive eternal life. You know, Jesus died for our sins. He paid the price and it's available to every single one of us. Would you like to pray today? Say it from your heart, say it out loud. Dear God in heaven, I believe in you. I repent of my sins. I believe that Jesus died for me on the cross. He suffered in my place. He died so I could live. He was raised from the dead and he's alive today. I receive him now as my savior. I confess Jesus is Lord. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer with me today, congratulations, you're in, you're saved, you're right with God. I would love to hear from you so we can send you some additional material to help you in your walk and relationship with God. Please text the word SAVED to 208-314-2660. Also, I'd like to invite you to join us for a live service this coming Sunday and you are more than welcome to be here. Visit our website at lcboise.com for all of the current service times. Thanks again for joining us today. God bless you.